As a real estate agent, you know that the industry can be tough to navigate with constant challenges and obstacles to overcome. That's why we created the Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate podcast, where top performing agents share their insights and strategies for success. Join us as we dive into the good, the bad, and the ugly of growing a thriving real estate business. Your host, Lindsay Favaza, will be your guide on this journey. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn from the best in the business. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Favaza, and today I have a very special guest returning to our show. The very first person to return to the show in three seasons, so I'm pretty excited about that. He was the star of our very first episode back in April of 2021, when the incredible Anthony Lamacchia was still hosting the show. I think that lasted for maybe two or three episodes, and then we were like, you're done because I couldn't get the schedules to work. So <laughs> I took over from there, and he was the very first interview that Anthony did. So he is a man of many talents. Not only is he a Mass and New Hampshire licensed realtor and a national military relocation professional, but he's also, and this is something I learned today, a classically trained percussionist, composer, and songwriter. He's been recognized as one of Grit Daily's top 10 leading real estate agents to watch in 2023. And he was ranked number 47 in the top real estate agents in Massachusetts by Real Trends. Always putting his clients' interests to the forefront, he's known for his honest, ethical, and professional approach, and I can attest to that. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in giving a warm welcome back to the one and only Paul J. Cervoni. Welcome back to the podcast, Paul. Well, thank you, Lindsay, for that very, very kind introduction, for sure. And it's always great uh, to share time with you and our audience here at Crush It. I love it. And you are not a stranger to the audience of Crush It because you were just on stage with us back in February now, was it? It feels like it was yesterday. Yep. It, it really was a great, great experience for me and one that I'll cherish for sure for uh, many years to come ahead. Yep. And I know that our audience learned a lot from you and from your segment. You did such a great job. So we're going to touch on some of the things that you talked about today. Um, but first and foremost, I want to talk to you about Toma. Last time you were here, that was the name of your episode. So I want to kind of cover that and then move on past it to all the other amazing things that you have to offer. But you always emphasize Toma, which is top mind awareness. Can you explain its significance to you, to real estate, and how you ensure that you always stay top of mind? Yeah, when I was on the first episode with Anthony, I was very transparent and honest about my relationship to Toma and how I had um, not really aligned with understanding the importance of Toma and building those relationships with clients and staying in touch. And so I had a, a life lesson you know, uh, that I had to learn. And I did a painful exercise that I shared at the Crush It event. And, uh, you know, where I realized that because I was not attentive to building those relationships, and it's what I call rapport maintenance. It's, it's my buzzword. Rapport maintenance is what we need to do in our relationships in real estate, for sure, in our business. So that when someone is thinking of you, the realtor, you know, you're rolling off their lips because you've stayed in touch with them. In other words, you, you've created emotional, what I call emotional connections with people. And, and that's what's the power of relationships and relationship building in Toma. So for me, I've realized that after that painful exercise, when I first started in the industry, and I didn't know any better, 
right? You don't know what you don't know as a young agent coming into the industry of real estate um, unless someone's coaching you about Toma. So that was a word that a buzzword that I never really, you know, heard in my first many years of being in the in the business. And then um, once I changed brokerages, it was top of mind, you know, and we trained on it. So for me today, it is basically all about the rapport maintenance and the touches and staying in tune and in touch with your client base from start to finish. And um, and that's how I think you build meaningful relationships and that you will stay top of mind with them when they're ready to transact again. Mm -hmm. I love that. So tell me, take us back a little bit. Usually we start this way and say, take us back. But I wanted you to touch on that Toma piece first and foremost. But sure. take us back to your transition from retail in Boston, New York, and then you transitioned into real estate. Why did you make that change? And why was that change so necessary for you at that time? Yep. So my background was in big box retail. I worked for Christmas tree shops, which is now unfortunately defunct. Um, for many, many years, and they were bought out by Bed Bath & Beyond, and then I went to Target for a period of time in CVS. So, um, you know, I was managing hundreds of people, um, employees, et cetera. I was a business leader. I was a project manager. I was an operations manager out in the field. Um, and so for me, when my wife and I got married, we moved up to Albany, and we lived out in the Clifton Park area of New York and upstate New York. And um, we then had our son up there as well. We purchased our first home in 2004, 2005. So um, the experience that we went through purchasing the home was very intriguing to me. And I've always been in a customer-centric type mentality, right? So I've been in, pub in, in, you know, in front of the public. I've engaged with thousands and thousands of people, obviously, in the retail space, whether they're employees or they're consumers and customers. And I've always kind of coined myself as a people person. Like um, I don't have any fear. I enjoy engaging with people. I, I love learning and stuff. So when we were up there, I was kind of a DIY person. You know, I like to do things and fix it and learn. And so I start to fix up our home. And um, after we were, you know, would always get compliments from the neighbors and things that we did. And so I, I said to my wife one time and I said, you know, it was really an, an interesting, unique experience going through this purchase and I think that I could actually be pretty darn good at this real estate game. And she concurred. And uh, we knew that we were not going to be in upstate New York forever because we were very detached from our family. Our family was in Massachusetts, both of our families. And, you know, we were driving two and a half hours on weekends to come home. And, and, and that kind of got old after, you know, we were up there for five years. So finally, we looked for an opportunity to come back to Massachusetts. My wife got a promotion. And then, you know, I, I kind of got out of the retail space, took a couple of years off, played daddy daycare. Um, and, and this is a point that I'll just share with, with the new folks that are coming into the business, because I think it's real to life and, and, and important, is that I know how hard it is if you're trying to be a part-time real estate agent and you've got a career and you're trying to figure that balance out. I was in a very fortunate situation where my wife, you know, had gotten a promotion coming back to Massachusetts. So she was the earner at the time. And she allowed me to take a few few years off to go through some things with rearing our child, Nicholas. And it was the greatest experience. And then when we came back to Massachusetts, we weren't relying on my income as much as her income. So I was able to step into the real estate game without having that fear of having to produce immediately. Because we know that uh, income does not come tomorrow. You know, it comes months down the road. So we had a great work-life balance. And I would just say, if you can make that transition with your spouse or your significant other, it, it helps. Yeah. Having sense. that support is what really 
had made that transition so much easier for you. Correct. Yep. And then I just felt that, you know, this was a passion that I wanted to chase down that I I was trying to reinvent myself after doing retail for 20 years. And I had enough of that. And I said, what else am I going to do? And what do I think I could be doing, you know, you know, doing well. And this real estate thing was something that I kind of uh, looked into and, and here I am. So you were in the retail side, so you were dealing with customers and really like um, as a manager of that type of, in that world, um, you know, you were dealing with both the management side, employees, staff, helping with them, but then also making sure customers were happy and supporting the top line in, you know, investors and stuff like that in the company. So how does that transfer into real estate for you? Is it, you know, the customer service side is what's really helped. Is it the management side that's really helped? Is it all of it? Like, what specifically do you think you carried from that job into real estate that's helped you? Yeah, I think that's a great question, Lindsay. And I would say this. um, I think I've always been a strategic thinker. And I think that retail background has given me that problem-solving skill, that forward thinking, that strategist, the mentor. I love coaching. I love teaching. I love sharing. So all of those skill sets that I learned with in you know res- conflict resolution, right? You're going head to head with consumers that are like, oh my god, I didn't get this item, and you know, and the you know, in our retail space, we say the cons- you know that the customer is always right, and the retailers will relate to that that are listening to this. However, in our real estate space, the client and customer is not always right. We're actually usually you know? misinformed. <laughs> They're either misinformed or not, they're not aligned or a proper expectation hasn't been set, yep. right? To get to ground them to reality. So that's our job, right? As realtors. But I think, you know, I, I took a lot of great skill sets from my years and experiences uh, in the retail space to kind of bring me to the business mindset of running my business like a business from day one. Yep. I love that. So talk to me about national military relocation professional. What (laughs) challenges do military families have that you are able to help overcome for them when you have this designation? Yep. And that's a mouthful. So we just say MRP, you know, keep it nice and simple, nice acronym. Um, Yeah. So my father served in the military. That's a little background. He served in Korea. And, um, you know, for me, uh, we, we would always talk about the stories and, you know, I have a special placeholder in my heart for all our military families and, and military warriors. And, and I, I feel that they give so much, you know, to, um, our great nation and all of us. And, um, I think the challenges that I feel that they have is their lifestyle is so transient, you know, um, because when they get PCS or they're going on a mission, you know, and they could be going into war zones you know, real life situations that are can be life and death. And, you know, um, if they have a family, they have a wife who's usually managing things at home or a significant other. So I think there are just so many moving parts when your life is always so transitional. And I think what I try to do is ground them with giving them a home base, you know, and to say, here's how, you know, we can utilize and leverage your VA benefit because it's a wonderful benefit. And they deserve every every portion of that benefit. And so, you know, they don't know what they don't know. It's like any other home buyer, right? And, and sometimes they come back disabled. You know, sometimes there are other physical challenges that they come back to. And we, you know, we have to try to navigate that. So that's kind of my feel-good moment to give back to our military folks. And I'm very sensitive and compassionate and empathetic about, 
you know, what they do for us. Well, and they're lucky to have you on their Thank side. You. What is the most rewarding part of your job? So that was a great segue into this because you're talking about that giving back to them, but just in general, overall across all of the, you know, clients that you serve, what is you in your mind, the most rewarding part of being a realtor? Well, it's like sharing time with great people like you, Lindsay. Okay. <laughs> um, but honestly, it is really all about the relationships, you know, and I think that's the most rewarding part because we're dream makers. Think about that for a minute. You know, we're helping people with one of the largest investments of their lives. And, you know, they're, they're uprooting their lives, their families, their dogs, their children, the school system. There's so many factors that we have to weigh and we become their fiduciary, right? We're their guide, you know, um, and we're trying to bring them to success. So for me, it's all about that TOMA, that rapport maintenance, and those those key relationships that, at the end of the day, when a property closes, or you know whether it's on the buy side or the sell side or rental or whatever space you're in, and you have that success with people, there's that amazing connection that you go from a consumer relationship yeah. to a, a potential friendship. French, or, French. <laughs> Friends for life or realtor for life, as I say, you know, but um, I think those are the things that really impact me and make a difference in Paul Savoni's life is is all the different and wonderful people that I get to meet and I get to help. Um, and that's really how I made. I'm, I really love helping people. And, um, you know, so to me, you know, the, the people that I engage with is really the special moments in my life. I whenever I talk about you or introduce you or talk about you in the department or anything like that, I always bring up this story. So I want to make sure I bring this up because it does go back to like, you know, there's a lot of people that can say like they love giving back and they love being mm -hmm. like helping people. Like people will say that, but their actions don't follow it up. But I can honestly and truly tell you that from my perspective, like you've always been that person for us here because I have, so I have a folder in my inbox mm -hmm. that I have that says support. And then it has a little heart. Right. And every time someone, an agent, a client, a vendor, anybody says, hey, you guys made my day. You guys helped us. I share it with the team and then I drop it in that folder because sometimes we just need that reminder of like what we're doing. And, you know, you get a lot of emails that aren't that happy and supportive. But like when you get those, it's like really, you know, it hits home. Um, and I would say my support folder is probably 20% Paul Cervoni emails. <laughs> you always take that extra time to tell someone that they're doing a good job, that they're that you appreciate them. And that just goes such a long way. So if people learn from me today, I want them to learn that I recognize that in him. And like, if that's not something that you guys do on a daily basis of like giving back and telling people that you appreciate them, like do that. Uh, because that's something that you've done really well, I think, as far as, you know, within the company, outside the company, I'm sure you do that with your clients and it goes a long way. So, well, thank you again for those kind words and that kind sentiment. And as you know, I love to pay it forward. I lead with a grateful heart, you know, and a generous heart. And, and I, I believe that people need to be recognized for their efforts in life, you know, and um, that's kind of, I think, been a cornerstone of again, building those rapport and that relationship with people, which is critical sometimes when you need their help and their support and their guidance, you know? Yep. So thank you for that. I appreciate you. So next I is your most you challenging property sale experience. <laughs> deep, go back deep into the depths. What has been probably your most gruesome sale that you've had to deal with or situation that you've had to deal with that you were like, 
I'm so glad this is over when it was over. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, you know, talking to our audience, I'm sure they can relate to all of these kinds of things. We have a lot of war stories and a lot of battle wounds and scars, unfortunately, in, a, in our daily life of real estate. And we have those tough clients. Um, and then we have those tough transactions where everybody is butting heads. So there, there's been more than one. I'm, I'm sorry to say, unfortunately for me, you know, um, but, you've been doing it long enough now. What, yeah. 12, yeah. 12 years, yeah. 11, 12 uh, years? Thir 13 years 13 now. Years. Yeah. So yeah, 13, it's definitely yeah, happen. yeah. Yep. Yep. So it's going to happen. The more transaction, the more stuff is going to find you in a negative way. Unfortunately, yeah. it's just, you know, um, the way life is made and, and, uh, you know, it's an odds game. It's a numbers game, right? Eventually you're going to have yep. difficult transactions. So I, I would have to say, I, I think, you know, what we struggle with and what I've struggled with is that um, when you have a difficult sale in a house that you thought was going to immediately sell, and I think we've all been there where we have this beautiful home and, you know, I had one that was on a cul-de-sac in a beautiful town. Um, it was a luxury listing of mine, you know, early in my career. Okay. It was early in my career. Um, and again, sometimes you may not have the tool belt and be equipped for something like that. So I think that was kind of where I was at. I was like scratching my head. Um, and there's not a lot of hair to scratch on the head, you know, so I've lost a few over the years, but ultimately, um, I was really, you know, the sellers were baffled. Why aren't we getting multiple offers at the time? And, you know, and this is going back several years. Okay. Early in my career. But, um, what we realized is that we had some obstacles to overcome. And, you know, we had a raised septic system, we had a small backyard, we had a funky layout upstairs, downstairs, and how the house, and so there were, you know, we didn't really see that because we saw beautiful finishes, you know, all yeah. the beautiful finishes, great rooms and a finished lower level, and we it had, had a, a lot of kitchen. <laughs> yeah, it had a lot of lipstick, you're right. And, and so it was on a cul-de-sac, you know, so it had the location, it had the town, we thought, you know, we priced it reasonably, we had an appraisal done. So I did all the right things to kind of get in front of like what potential, but until the objections started to roll in, we weren't getting showings. And then at the end of the day, we all know this, what's going to cure objections price, right? You know, you can throw incentives and you can be creative and you can try to remarket it, take different pictures. So we're doing all of those types of things. But I think that was one of the most challenging homes in my career when I was young in the business to try to figure out how do I get this thing sold? Because everybody's frustrated and just wondering what's going on here. You and know? you know, Paul, it, it, you know, because it was earlier in your career and you don't have that experience yet, I think that's a really good lesson for people listening that like, don't take a listing for granted. Don't look at a house and go, oh, this is going to be a easy peasy, no problem. Then your guard kind of comes down and you're not looking for those things. You're just thinking it's going to fly off the shelf. And yeah. then you are faced with the bigger issues though. I think yeah. that's great great lesson for our audience to kind of take. Yep. I think you got to really do a deep dive and, and just kind of really understand. And this is what I've learned is just really understand what potential objections are people going to throw at you when you list a home, right? You know, are they going to like the location, the yard, the, the layout, the functionality, you know, price, all those types of things. I think that's the hard lesson that I learned early in my career. Yep. So how do you handle, and this is, I always say to people that I I love to do marketing and I love to be in the real estate world, but I couldn't do what you guys do because when it comes down to a negotiation, I think I would be terrible. <laughs> I'd be like, whatever you want. I'm not, I'm not good at this. Um, so what is a tip or some kind of advice that you would give to agents in the negotiation phase 
of real estate. Like once you're down to it and it's you and that other realtor and you're trying to figure out the best price and you're trying to figure out the best deal for your clients, what is a tip that you give to help get that for your clients? So I think it's all about setting clear expectations, you know, um, especially when it comes to the client base and you're trying to negotiate, you know, in negotiation, the art of negotiation is all about finding the weaknesses of your opponent, right? And how you can find things to leverage in the negotiation and the conversation. So for me, it's all about a conversation. Um, I, I work at a kind of a high level as a communicator and I try to pride myself on what I call an active listening skill, which is eliciting emotion out of the conversation from people. Like when we sit down with sellers or buyers, we know how they're feeling. They're feeling apprehensive or concerned. You know, they have their their objections about price and commission and things. So you kind of know. Um, so for me, it's a, a lot of the art of negotiation is about bringing the emotion down and bringing it down to logic. How do you how do you diffuse situations that can be very tense? And we know we do this, right, with other agents sometimes, right? Some want to be large and in charge, and, and they want to just be very controlling. And it's all about them and their client, not so much about the collaboration. And that's the difference maker for me. It doesn't matter what side of the deal that I'm on. I'm a collaborator, and I want a win-win for both sides, right? Everybody at the end wants a fair deal, the seller and the buyer. Yeah. So I think prop, setting proper expectations is really critical and key, you know, and diffusing that emotion to getting them to reality, yeah. okay, and getting to a logical place so you can really have a, a fair discussion. I think that's sense? absolutely, absolutely true. You got to make sure that it's everyone's winning. If everyone feels like they're winning, then there's no loser, really. <laughs> well, there shouldn't. It's yeah, a you re... You're supposed to be coming to common ground. Yeah, you reduce the conflict. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and I think that's what you want to have is continue the conversation versus trying to be combative. And, and you know, and it's hard because we get all I, and I've caught myself. I, we get very emotional. Right. We get wrapped in that moment and that emotion and you get angry and you lash out and you just have to pull yourself back. And, and what I would tell agents that struggle with this is step back and just listen. Just listen. Everyone's just trying to do their job and do that for themselves. So, all right. What's one piece of advice that you would give to realtors that are in this business that are maybe a little experienced, but want to make it to the level that you're at, which is, you know, president's club at our company, elite president's club at our company, and just crushing sales. So what advice would you give to those people that want to make it to that level? I think you have to be relentless and I think you have to be committed. Um, I was reading a, a great book called Relentless recently, and it talked about going from good to great to unstoppable and then relentless. And it's talking about the cleaner that comes in the Michael Jordans of the world, the Tom Brady's of the world, the people that get things done at a high level consistently and can elevate. And so I think you have to find that warrior spirit inside of you to be relentless every day in your action taking, the things that you do, the activities, the choice management is critical in your success. So I think, you know, you're working that 24 hour cycle clock that we all live by, right? And you have to decide how committed am I going to be to my business of real estate? How many hours am I going to commit to that each day? And I think those would be my words of advice for anybody who wants to elevate and take the next step, um, you know, to be a top producing agent in this industry. Love it. 
if you were to get an invite to sit down and have dinner with one real estate figure, someone who's out there, maybe it's real estate or maybe it's just like an entrepreneurial figure, who would that person be and why? Well, uh, I guess, uh, you know, there's so many great titans of real estate, right? And there's been a lot of great authors and influences and coaches and things like that. But I'd say probably um, somebody like a Brian Buffini. I'd love, you know, he's been in the business forever. And, I'd, you know, if I had a table side conversation with Brian, I think that would be great. Um, you know, somebody like the late, you know, Bob Proctor, you know, who was a great, great mentor and influencer author and, you know, and um, talks about wealth and mindset and everything and success in life. And, you know, somebody uh, even like a Barbara, Barbara Cochran, you know, those types of people that have, you know, risen above, they're the thought leaders in our industry. They're the rainmakers, yep. you know, those are the people that I think, um, you know, we can gain knowledge and insight into say, you know, and there's always little different things that you can tweak and change. So those are some of the people that come top of mind, I guess, for that. I love that. Very cool. Yeah. Um, what is the best way for you at the end of all of these crazy deals that you have going on and all these things that are happening day to day? How do you unwind? What do you do to kind of, I guess, not just how do you unwind from a personal perspective, but like, how do you detach? How do you take those emotions and say, nope, I'm not going to let this affect me. I'm going to move forward and sit down with my wife and have dinner. And I'm going to do the whole thing. Like, how do you detach it? Because I feel like a lot of the time, real struggle is and it kind of can affect their family life and things like that because there aren't there, you know, they're stressed for their clients and it's, it's rolling into other aspects of their lives. Like what, what is your advice on that to realtors out there? Yeah, no, that's, this is really a great, important question that you're asking me. And I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it comes down to what I call the coping mechanism in our lives. And each of us every day go through challenges, um, you know, whether they're personal, physical, mental, you know, and I think you have to identify early on, you know, to be a warrior, what are your coping mechanisms and how do you turn things off? Uh, my wife, you know, she's funny, you know, she'll get the violin, you know, every day, you know, there'll be a, a challenge or something. We come home and we talk about in her business life and my business life and we play the violins together, you know, and um, but sometimes it's just like get over it, you know, get past it and, you know. I was able to, I think early in my days, just hit a light switch and just say, you know what, I'm going to do a reset. I'm counting to five. I'm going for a walk with the dog. Okay. Now I play pickleball. You know, I, I was a really, yeah, 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 yeah. I was, I was a very talented tennis player in my day. You know, I was a very, very good gifted athlete in my day. And uh, so now I've taken the iteration of pickleball. And to me, that's really sets my mindset. It's, it's good for the the physical well-being as well as the mental. And I'm actually pretty darn good at it. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I wouldn't challenge you. Know, <laughs> uh, so, but, but I say, I think to, for most people, you know, you have to be able to turn off the business life. So the phone goes off, you know, at night and I'm not answering texts at 8.30 at night and emails and I set clear expectations for my, you know, and when I'm at dinner with my family, the phone is turned down and I'm, you know, I'll get back to people. I mean, like I said, you know, I think Anthony said this, we're not fighting ISIS or we're not, you know, I mean, we're not in a world war here. No. So things, things can kind of wait, you know, so you have to, I, I've, I've really learned, Lindsay, this is really something that I've learned and fine tuned for me personally is I've tried to be present. I try to be more present in the moment 
for each individual client because every circumstance is different. And certainly for my family, when we're on vacation, my wife or what have you, because if I'm not present, I usually get the shoe across the room and it comes in pretty, pretty close to hitting the head. So, you know, I don't like the projectiles coming at me, but I, you know, and I'm sure some people can equate. I haven't met your wife. She is not, (laughs) she is a lovely human being. No, she, she might throw a glance. Yeah, yeah. And she'll see this and she'll laugh at that and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, so I I would just say, you know, really, truly be present, you know, for the people that you're engaging with in the moment. And and I think the coping mechanisms are really huge for that to be able to turn off the business life to the personal. What is it going to help do that deep batch for sure? Yeah. So my last question is a fun one and I can't wait to answer. And I, (laughs) I think you were somewhat prepped for this. So maybe you thought about it ahead of time. I don't know. Um, but your background in music, you went to the New England Conservatory for music. That's correct. Yeah. Yep. And you, you know, this was your path and this is what you were going to be doing. I'm assuming that was what you thought was going to happen with your life. Um, and I know music, I'm assuming, is still a big part of that for you. Um, sure. if you. If you were to compose a song about real estate, what would the title of that song be for you? <laughs> That's a really good question because oh I God. would have I would have many titles and I'd really have okay, to think about a that. Sample titles. You know, because if I really wanted a hit song, right, for real estate, I'd have to say, okay, a little thing called real estate, right? Off of a play, a little thing called love, right? Love it. Um, okay, or I'd say rise up. Rise up. That goes with all the advice that you've been giving so far. So, so those are probably, yeah. So those yeah. would be a couple of those, uh, you know, quirky song titles, maybe that I would. Well, consider. I can't yeah. wait to hear it drop on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll work on that. It's something's brewing in the music world for me down the road. So we'll see. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Awesome, Paul. Thank you so much once thank again. You. I think that they got some awesome takeaways. I'm also going to link in the show notes your previous episode, so that way people can go back and re-listen if they want to. Again, remember that was our first episode ever. So <laughs> sounds may have not have been as good. Anthony, the host, was definitely no, I'm just kidding. He's great. <laughs> uh, but definitely take a listen to that one if you enjoyed today's because you'll learn even more from that, you know, segment as well. But I cannot say thank you enough. Thank you so much for being our first reboot episode of the Agents Who Crush in Real Estate Podcast. Well, I love it, Lindsay, and thank you again uh, for having me back. I'm going to have a lot of people being like, we're doing reboot episodes? Wait, (laughs) I'm going to have a lot of people, so thanks for that. I love it. I love it. We're kicking off the reboot, folks. I love it. Yes, let's do it. I want to check back. It's been three years, you know? We've been three years. Might as well bring people back in and start to hear how they've, you know, progressed since. And you've kept the level of success up. So, you know, you weren't a flash in the pan. This is like here to stay. You're doing a great job. So thank thank you very much. much. Appreciate it. And Thank you guys all for listening and watching. If you're on YouTube, we really appreciate your time and make sure to check out all the other episodes and videos for the Agents Who Crush It Real Estate podcast. We'll see you on the next one. Keep crushing it. As a real estate agent, you know that the industry can be tough to navigate with constant challenges and obstacles to overcome. That's why we created the Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate podcast, where top performing agents share their insights and strategies for success. Join us as we dive into the good, the bad, and the ugly of growing a thriving real estate business. Your host, Lindsay Favaza, will be your guide on this journey. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn from the best in the business.